Thank you for listening to a sermon from Knox Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Kenmore, New York. Our senior pastor is Justin Olivetti. To reach Knox Church, please email us at office at knoxepc.com or call us at 716-873-2423. To request prayer, email us at prayerchain at knoxepc.com. Now, let's listen. Please stay standing as we open to our scripture today, Mark chapter 15. We're going to be reading just a few verses, verses 33 through 37. Mark 15. I don't have the number in your pew Bibles if somebody wants to shout that out. 988 in your pew Bibles. I'm going to be reading just a few verses, starting with verse 33. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. May God bless this reading of his word today. Please have a seat. We're very close to the longest night of the year. And I've been thinking a lot about light and darkness lately, especially how you can't have one and you can't have both at the same time. Either light will reign supreme or darkness will. You just, they can't seem to peacefully coexist. Several years ago, we took our youth group down on a mission trip to Louisville in Kentucky. And there we had had an afternoon off, so I planned a couple outings and I said, "We're we're going to a cavern. It looked interesting on, on the tourist map. So I said, we're going on a, on a tour of a cavern. And this wasn't a cave. This wasn't a natural cave. This was a man-made, large, extensive cavern that actually stretches underneath the Louisville Zoo. So if you ever go down there to the zoo, just know that you're actually walking on top of very large excavated caverns. And the, one of the original purposes of the caverns was to serve as a nuclear fallout shelter uh, in, in case the bombs started raining down. And we were told that there were all sorts of escape tunnels to, to channel in the people that had actually paid to reserve their spots in this cavern. And I was told this, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I was told Colonel Sanders, the original Colonel Sanders, was one of the men who was guaranteed a spot, and they showed us like where they had set up tents and everything inside this cavern. But we're on the tour of that cavern, and we're sitting on, on the back of this truck, and we're being driven around, And at one point, our guy says, okay, now I'm going to show you what true darkness looks like. And he shuts off the lights. And have you ever done that where you've been in a cave and they've shut off the lights on you? And it's not just like being out in the middle of the, the, the forest at night where you've got a little bit of ambient starlight. It's not like being in a dark house where you can still see your hand waving in front of your face. There's a different kind of darkness when you're inside a cave, when there's no light whatsoever. It's like that thick oppressive, inky darkness. A darkness where you can't sense motion, you can't sense movement. You can, you can almost feel 
how dark it is. And during those moments that we're in that darkness, all I could want, all I could desire was to see light again, to have those lights come back on. In the middle of one long dark night in Israel, the sky broke open in a shining and glorious light in the middle of the night. And angels poured into our reality, proclaiming the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the Savior. Imagine how, how dark it was and suddenly there's just this blinding light as the night is interrupted. Glory was sung, glory was seen by trembling shepherds who you saw up here just moments ago as they heard about the Savior coming. And they didn't realize that night, maybe they did, but I don't think they realized in full that the longer, the greater long dark night of Israel was finally ending. Matthew 4 said, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of shadow of death, a light has dawned. This imagery of a light dawning, of starting to crest over the hill, over the horizon. Without Jesus, without the Emmanuel, those people would have lived. They would have existed in that land of the shadow of death forever. They would have been blind in their sin blinded to God and separated from him. But all that changed when the light broke through on Christmas. 33 years later, as Jesus hung on the cross, something curious happened in the sky at that moment. Mark 15 tells us that at high noon, at the, at the time where the sun is highest in the sky, a heavy darkness swept over the area and cast the whole land into darkness for up to three hours. A couple years ago, we had the, a, so, a solar eclipse, a really unusually strong one in the middle of the day. I'm sure I wasn't alone, but probably many of you stopped what you were doing. I think it was around 1 o'clock, 1.40 in the afternoon, to go outside and witness an eclipse, a really powerful one. And I was out there. I got the kids up from their nap. I said, just come out here. I didn't tell them what was going to happen. I said, come out. You're going to see something pretty amazing. And over the course of a few minutes, suddenly we were kind of plunged into this twilight darkness. It wasn't true darkness, but suddenly it was weird. All the crickets woke up, right? They were like, oh, it's nighttime already? Chirp, 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 chirp. They started you know, going nuts. And, and the animals, they, they, they didn't know what time of day it was. And we were existing for a few minutes in kind of this gloomy, out-of-place darkness. It was eerie. It was strange. But what happened when Jesus was on the cross wasn't like that. It was more intense. It was far more gloomy. It wasn't just a momentary eclipse. It was a darkness that stretched over for hours. And just as light broke through the darkness back when Jesus was born, now darkness has come to smother the light at his death. This was a cosmic sign given to the people that God the Father had turned his light away from the sun. Why? Because we know at this point, Jesus was now bearing the sins of his people. The Father refused any longer to gaze favorably upon Jesus, to be well-pleased with him. Do you remember? This is my son, who I am well-pleased. The Father was no longer well-pleased with the Son. The Father could no longer look upon him with that love and with that favor. 
Instead, the Father's righteous wrath rained down upon Jesus. And at this moment, at this point in history, this crucial, life-changing, history-changing moment, for the first time ever, the incarnate Jesus is separated from and forsaken by God the Father. Our sins wrenched Jesus away, we're told, and plunged him into darkness. And he not only just sees this darkness around him, he feels it. He feels it deep inside of him. And as he feels this intense spiritual suffering as he hangs there on the cross, Jesus cries out the only verse from the Psalms that accurately described the anguish that he was going through. My God, he screams, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus was born, there was a spontaneous celebration by both people and angels. But when he died, there was nothing but mourning. The prophet Amos back in the Old Testament was given a vision of this very terrible day. And he wrote these words. I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will make that time like morning for an only sun and at the end of it like a bitter day. Yet as terrible as that forsakenness was to bear, as heart-wrenching as it was to mourn the death of the God-man, something amazing starts to happen during these three hours. In that smothering, oppressive darkness, sin starts to lose its ground for the first time ever in history. Minute by agonizing minute, God's wrath and his justice are satisfied. A great wrong that stretched all the way back to the Garden of Eden was finally being set right. The sins of all believers, both past, present, and future, were atoned for by the blood of the Lamb. Three hours. Three hours was what it took for this to take place. And three hours after that darkness began, Mark says that Jesus cried out before he died. Now, Mark didn't record his words, but some of the other gospel writers did. And we know that one of Jesus' final words was this phrase. When he cried out, it is finished. This was not a cry of defeat. This was not a cry of agony where Jesus was looking for an escape from this. This was a cry of triumph, that the work of the atonement had been completed in full. The work that began on the very day that Jesus came down, that we celebrate when he was born in Bethlehem, had finally come to its consummation and been fulfilled on the cross. It is finished and would forever be finished. No longer would we need to sacrifice animals to atone for our sins. The blood of the lamb would be all we would ever need. The light may have appeared to die on that day, but for those of us living in darkness, we had seen a great light. We had been shown life for the very first time. Jesus was forsaken by God so that we might never be. Jesus was forsaken so that we might never feel what he felt. We would not have to endure the separation of the Father's love, of his mercy, of his grace, and of his favor if we just accept the grace that he extends to us on the cross. 
2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us of the exchange that took place. It said, God took the sinless Christ and poured into him all of our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. That is your gift this Christmas season. I don't care what's under your tree on Christmas morning. There's nothing greater than this. There's nothing more praiseworthy. There's nothing you will enjoy more with satisfaction, laughter, and love for all eternity. Merry Christmas. He died for you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today we look at the beginning and the end of your life but not the end of your story, not the end of our story. Lord, from a babe to a man, you lived for us, you died for us. You loved us so intensely. Lord, may this story break through to new hearts and new souls, hearts that have been hard against you, that have been set against you. Lord, may you soften their hearts. May they hear the gospel and rejoice May they break down in tears and repent and accept you. And for those of us who do know you, Lord, may we hear the Christmas story and the story of the cross all over again and praise you and thank you. Lord, we'll never have enough time to say thank you, which is why we need an eternity, an eternity with you, to be with you, not separated, not forsaken, not rejected. And all God's people said, Amen. Peace to you. Glory to God. Goodwill to all men. Go in peace today. Join us as we have a nice cupcake reception. But let our hearts be always giving thanks and praise to our Father in heaven. Amen. Thank you again for listening. It is our sincere prayer that today's message has brought you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. You can also audio stream our full service. Details can be found at our website. Our church is fully wheelchair accessible and loop enabled for the hearing impaired. For a full schedule of activities and more information on our beliefs, visit our website at www.noxepc.com or call our church office at 716-873-2423.